if you were with us last week, we started a conversation about ishing the Christian life. And we were talking about the fact that we're in sort of halfway. We're just kind of doing it. We're doing parts of it, the parts that we like. And I don't know about you, but I think I might be really tempted to leave that restaurant if that was the waitress answer. It's, it's okay. The chef got sick, but you might be fine. I like food. I, I like bakeries. When we go on vacation, I look for bakeries. And Pam and I like to find a good bakery and then go first thing in the morning and grab something that's fresh out of the oven. And I don't want, I, I really like brown bread and good Atlantic Canada brown bread. Sorry, I know I'm in Maine, but it's what I grew up on. And when I find a bakery, I, I don't want something that's just, it's, it's okay. I like it hot and fresh. And when I find it, I can't shut up about it, okay? And if you know me very much, when it comes to really good food, if I find something really like, I'm going to tell everybody about how good that is, whatever it is. I might even bring you a whole bunch of it and cause you to put on 18 to 22 pounds. Just ask Glenn whether that could happen or not. But I don't say that about something that's just okay. It's something that I really, really like. And so many things in our life can be just okay. And it becomes something that affects every aspect of my life. And the next thing that I know, I start ishing. I start kind of just doing enough. And my heart gets to a place where I'm just kind of in sort of halfway. Oh, well, whatever. And last week, we talked about the internal of that. We talked about what happens in our heart, what God has asked of us in the internal We talked about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And those are internal things often that that most people around us can't see. They can see the evidence of it, but they can't really see what's going on inside. And we talked about when I'm in sort of halfway, what happens to my heart and my mind and my soul. And we ended with... Jesus looking at the one who had come to him and asked what the greatest commandment was, and he was a scribe, and Jesus, at the end of that little interchange that took place, Jesus said to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God, in sort of halfway, just almost there. And we want to go from talking about the internals last week to talking about the externals this week. And so before we do that, would you just bow with me? And we're going to ask God by his spirit to help us as we kind of unpack the externals in the next little bit. Father, we ask that your spirit would have control of our hearts in the next few moments. We pray that as we begin to look at scripture that your spirit could bring that alive in us. We know because of the promise that you've given that your word is alive, it's powerful. And it touches deep down into our hearts. And so we're asking this morning that you would do that in us. And each one of us find ourselves at a different point of life here this morning. And you have the ability to speak right 
into where we are. And we ask that you would do that. And then, God, would you grant us the courage to walk out whatever it is that you ask of us. Thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ, and the life that we can have because of him. Use your word in our lives this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. I want to give you a little point of warning this morning before we go into this. If you're only issuing the internals, let me say it again, if you're only in sort of halfway with the internals, you'll never stop ishing the externals. Let me say it again. If you're only in sort of halfway with the internals, the stuff that's going on in your heart between you and God, then you won't stop in sort of halfway with the externals. You're going to struggle with it forever. Now notice, I did not say you have to protect or perfect the internals. That's not what I said. I'm not talking about perfection here. If you're not working on the internals, if you're not giving God the internals, if you're not saying yes to God on the internals, it's going to be really hard on the outside. I don't want you to walk away this morning being driven by guilt. Because <laughs> we can easily do that to ourselves. When I start unpacking this, you can say, Ah, oh, Tim's up there with a whip and he's going to whip us into shame. And that's not what I want. I don't want you to be driven by guilt. Because guilt is only short-lived. And for a few moments, our mind and our heart will be at war with one another and we'll do something different, but it won't be a lifelong change. It won't matter for a long time. The change, whatever happens internally in us, has to be driven by a love for the one who redeemed us, Jesus Christ. It has to be driven by the fact that if Jesus loves me this much, you know the, the little child song, right? Jesus loves me, this I know, and we can say that. But, but if it's true, if he really loves me that much, and he really paid such a high price for me, then my motivation is my love in return to him. Now when we talk about our relationship with Christ, we often spend most of our time thinking or talking about the internals. And we talk about the fact that it's private. It's between me and God, right? My relationship with God, that's between me and him. And, and you don't need to be part of that. You don't really need to know anything about it, but that's a lie. It's not true. When you look in Scripture and when you understand Scripture, you realize that God says that my relationship between me and God needs to be between me and God first, but then all of the people who are close to me, the people that I rub shoulders with, the people that I live life with, the people that I work with, need to know and understand my relationship with God because it makes a difference in my relationship with them and it makes a difference in how they understand God. And so it's not a private affair. It's very public. And we can look at it and say, hey, look, stay out of my stuff. Because we're an independent group of people in America. I have my rights. 
Leave me alone, I'll do my life my way. And God looks at it and he says, no. You're a community who lives together and serves God together and lives in unity together and works for the good of each other to help each other. So this whole thing is not a private matter. God wants us to engage with one another and help each other out. And so as we start looking at the externals, Yes, they will step on our toes. They will step on my toes. And we will step on each other's as we begin to figure this stuff out. God has a great deal in his word, the Bible, to talk to us, to say to us about how we live the externals, our abilities, the attributes that we have, how we walk those out. God spends a lot of time talking about what the externals should be and how they should be lived. And there is no way this morning that I can talk about all of them. Well, unless you want to stay for a long time. Who's in for that? Just two, okay. We'll talk after. So this morning, I'm only going to hit a few of them. I'm just going to hit a couple. And remember, please, this is not about Guilt, that's not what this is about. It's just looking at what God has to say about our externals and how we live those out and the fact that God actually cares. The first one I want to look at, if you have your Bible, I'd ask you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to start in verse 12. And I want to talk to us about our bodies. It's an external, right? Go ahead, grab your arm, your wrist. It's an external. You can feel it. It's something that people look at every day. It's something you look at maybe in the mirror. If you're like me, you probably don't. Uh, My wife's like, did you even look in the mirror this morning? I'm like, no, I didn't. It's obvious. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. That's a whole other story, and we won't get into that. Okay, let me read this to you. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, But I will not be mastered by anything. Food is for the stomach and the stomach for food. And God will do away with both of them. However, the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. God raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Don't you know that your bodies are part of Christ's body? Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have from God? You, read this line with me because this is amazing. You are, what? Not your own. For you were, what? Bought at a price. So do what? Glorify God with what? Your body the external. If you are a Christ follower here this morning, then you are no longer your own and your body is not yours. And I want to take a few moments to look at this passage and help you to realize and help myself to realize a few things or a few truths that God gives us from this passage of scripture about our bodies. First, you're free. See that at the very beginning? Paul makes it very clear that you are free. Everything is permissible for me. God has given me all kinds of things that are at my disposal that are my choice, what I do with them. I am free. 
I am free to make choices. And that's what God says to me is he says, look, I have given you a free will. I want you to make choices. I want you to decide things. But he goes on in that freedom and he says this, but not everything's beneficial. Not everything's good for you. And he says this, I don't want you to be mastered by anything in your freedom. I don't want anything to have control over you. And he talks about food and sex because they're both easy things in our society and the society of the day that he was living in for everybody to realize, oh yeah, those things can grab a hold of me and they can control my body, they can control me, they can control what I do or, or what I long for. And so he uses those as examples. We all struggle with some behavior that tends to control us. Something that gets a hold of us and will drive us to do things that we never would have done. And it has a mastery over us. It can even be something that starts out really good in our lives, something that's great for us, and all of a sudden it gets a hold of us and it drives us to go places, to do things, to be with people, or even in ourselves to create an atmosphere ourselves that masters us and controls the outcomes of my life. And it happens to all of us in different ways. And so Paul says it this way. He says, look, everything, you're free. You're free to make choices. But you cannot be mastered by anything because, here's the line, the body is for the Lord. The body is for who? The Lord. Your body is part of Christ's body. That's how far he goes. He says, look, when Christ paid the price for you, you're no longer your own. He bought it. He paid for your body. And he gives this kind of example here where he says, if you joined yourself with a prostitute, you are joining not just yourself with a prostitute, you're joining Christ with you. Wow. Whoa, hold it. And he's giving us an analogy here about our body. He's telling us this. Look, when we prostitute, and prostitute means this, it means to sell myself, right? And if you take that meaning, if you go to Webster's and you look up the meaning, you'll realize this, that it's not just talking about selling myself for money. It says this. It says that I take the skills and abilities that I have that are at this level, and I use them at this level. I take what God blessed me with for his good, what he gave me to use for his good, and I sell it cheaply for something that's not for his good. So I want you to stop and think about that for a minute. And I want you to think about what you've sold your body for. What have you sold your body for? Say, Tim, what do you mean by that? What is it that grabs your attention so much that you will do whatever you can to get it? What is it that when you walk into your home, you say, I've got to have that. Oh, I hit it. The kids don't know where it is, but I've got to have that. What is it that in the middle of the week, it's what grabs your attention and it drives your body to a certain place to do something? What have you sold your body for? 
For some of us, it may be food. For some of you, it may be looking for love. For some of you, it's the next high. For some of you, it's the drink that dulls the pain. For some of you, it's a relationship that kind of almost fills you. For some of you, it's purchasing something that you hope will bring the happiness that you've been looking for, but you've sold your body to something. We all struggle with it in some area. Think, Think about how you treat your body, what you put in it, how lazy you allow it to become. And if you're a Christ follower, the body that you have does not belong to you. It belongs to someone else. And when I have someone else's property, I don't treat it with disrespect. I try to take it back better than I found it. That was what my dad always taught me. And when I think about my body, I'm talking to me, I'm not talking to you, and that's why I said I don't want this to be about guilt. This body is not mine. It doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. And what he's asked of me to the best of my ability is to bring it back in better shape than I found it. (laughs) I don't know how well I'm doing with that. If you keep going in that verse, he says it this way, not only does your body belong to Jesus Christ, but it is a temple for the Holy Spirit. It's a place of worship for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in you. The price that he paid for your body, that God paid for your body, was his son, Jesus Christ. It didn't come cheap. It wasn't in sort of halfway to pay for you. He was in all the way to pay for you. It wasn't looking out in time and seeing Tim and saying, well, he's not really all that important, so I just have to pay a little bit for him. He looked out in time and he saw us and he said, look, they're human beings created in my image and my likeness and I love them so much that I will give the highest, I will pay the highest price for them and I will buy them back at that cost. And Paul looks at that and he says, if that price was paid at that level, then glorify God with what? With your body. And some of us take that and we go the other extreme with that and we begin to worship our body. And that's also not what God is asking. We can look at it from one extreme of not taking care of it and not doing with it what we should, but we can also go to the extreme that we worship and we look up to and we spend all our time and our energy trying for our physical experience or our physical appearance to become something that we're so proud of. And that's not what God is asking for either. He's asking us, for us to give our bodies to him as a temple, a place for him to dwell, and for us to do our best to look after it for his good and for his glory. Let me ask you this question. Have you been ishing the care of, not your body, if you're a believer, of God's body? Have you been ishing the care of God's body? It's hard work. <laughs> but it's well worth it. Second that I want to look at this morning briefly is this. 
Time. See? Time. We all have it. We're all given the same amount. We're all asked to use it. But how do we use it? By the way, thanks for your time this week. There's a whole bunch of you that gave a lot of your time. You burnt up your time to serve. Thank you for that. Went well. We appreciate all the energy that you put in. But we all have time that we're going to use one way or another. And God has made us responsible with our time. And we can ish, we can be in sort of halfway with our time. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 15 to 17 say this. Pay careful attention then of how you live. Not as unwise people but as wise. Making the most of the time. Because the days are evil, so don't be foolish, don't, don't, but understand what the Lord's will is. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. I looked up some recent studies about our time usage, and I found this. Most, the average American today spends 2.2 hours and 22 minutes on social media. They spend 3 hours and 35 minutes on a mobile device. They spend 24 hours per week online. Nielsen's TV report says that most Americans spend five hours and four minutes a day or 35 hours and and a half per week or 77 days a year. Think of that, watching TV. 77 days of your year. Whoa, that's crazy. But yet... Most families spend less than 34 minutes a day together. Think of that. He's not counting, by the way, sitting in front of the TV as really being together and engaging. Just in case your brain went there, because I know. American Survey on Time said this, that people ages 15 to 54 spend less than 10 minutes a day reading. About two hours and 22 minutes surfing. Interesting. Harvard Business Review said this, and they studied 400 high-level business people, and this is what they found. This is all wasted time. 6.8 hours a week on useless activities. 3.9 hours, that's, you know, walking back and forth to the coffee machine, going to the copier again, all that stuff. 3.9 hours streaming stuff that has nothing to do with work. 3.4 hours emailing people emails that have nothing to do with the work. 3.6 hours on very low value activities. So average weeks, 21.8 hours are lost to non-essential activities. Use of time. There's a huge reason why the Spirit of God called Paul to write this. Pay careful attention to how you live and use your time. We have an enemy who is working incredibly hard to create distractions in our life that pull us away from using our time the way God planned for us to use it. Anybody struggle with it? Yeah. I was hoping somebody would say yes, because otherwise we are sitting in a room of liars. (laughs) Think of how you live. Think about your time. What should it be used for? Again, this verse is not here to make us feel guilty. The verse is here to say, be aware. 
Be aware. That's a warning sign. The verse is here as a warning to us to be aware. He uses this phrase, make the most of the time. And if you go back to the translation, the word in there is actually this word. It says to redeem, to buy back the time, to redeem the time. It means to purchase and to bring under your power, to seize, to take command of your time. Grab a hold of your time. It's so interesting how we can talk about, I don't have any time for, right? You ever heard that? I have no time for. But then when you stop and you look at all the time that leaks away during the week, it disappears. It just trickles away. And God says, grab a hold of it. You're responsible. It's an external. It's one of those things that you can actually do something about. So let me ask you this question. Have you been ishing in sort of halfway with God's time? Remember, he bought you. If you're a Christ follower, it's not yours anymore. You're his You've been bought. Your body belongs to him. Your time belongs to him. So, are you in sort of a halfway with God's time? Last one that I want to look at this morning, and you're sitting there going, man, I'm glad, is our abilities. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says this, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. I hear this all the time, but there's nothing that I can do. I have no abilities. There's nothing that I can offer. I'm really not that good at anything. Really? Really? They did a study. They're always doing it. I don't know who does all these studies, but... The average person has 500 to 700 skills and abilities. There's nothing I can do. I'm not good. Liar. I'm sorry, that's twice in one sermon I said that. God said that he created you, if you're a Christ follower, he created you for good works. You are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. It's not just for good works, it's for the work that he planned for you to do. It's not, it's not haphazard, it's not, man, if this happens, that's a great thing. God says, I created you for something that I planned for you to do. Each person in this room represents a set of abilities that the church and our society needs. And God, in his incredible knowledge, his foreknowledge, looked ahead at this body of believers sitting in this place, in this town, in this county, And he said, I'm going to gift that group of people with every ability that they need to serve and meet the needs of the people that surround them to build my kingdom 
for my glory. It was not an accident because God doesn't make accidents. He did not place you here at this time by a mistake. If you feel like you don't fit, you do. That's Satan's lie to you. He has something that he wants you to do for his kingdom now. Not tomorrow, not when you get ready, not when you think I'll have enough time. Remember the time belongs to who? (laughs) To him. He gave you the abilities. I think this is a great deal easier when we think of it from this light. Colossians 3.17, Paul says it like this. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. He says, look, it's not a special event. It's not a one-time event. It's everything that I do, all of the abilities, all of the skills that I have, all of the time, whenever I am doing anything, I don't do it for me. I don't do it for my good. I don't do it for, I do it for the glory of God because the ability that I have to do whatever it is that I'm doing comes directly from who? From God. Stop looking for a special event that makes you look good and just do everything for the glory of God. Stop looking for the one-time event that, man, if I could do this event, this would be the thing and God would be so happy. No, he'll be happy when I do everything to his glory, when I use my abilities and my skills to his glory for his kingdom all the time. Peter keeps talking about this and he takes it even a step farther in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. He says, just as each one of us has received a gift, use it to serve what? Others. As good stewards of the varied grace of God. Peter says, look, every one of us have abilities. Every one of us have gifts. I'm stuttering this morning. Every one of us have gifts. And we are to use those gifts for the good of the people who are around us, to serve them, to help them, to help them grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. So everything we do is done for God and to serve others so that they can know God. I remember this as a young guy working with my dad on the farm. And he would give me a job, whatever that job might be. Most of them, by the way, when you're the young guy on the farm, involve shoveling stuff that's not pleasant to shovel. And I remember asking him, doing the job, and, and, and him reminding me over and over, Tim, it's not about me being happy with the job that you did. It's, it's about God being happy with the job that you did. And I remember coming and finishing jobs and going in and dad would come back and I'd say, hey, the job's all done. And he's like, would God be happy with it? And you'd turn around and go, well. (laughs) (laughs) Let me ask you a question. Have you been ishing in sort of halfway with, not yours, with God's abilities? Right? You've been bought with a price. You don't belong to yourself. They're God's. I know we didn't talk about all of our externals. There's things like our jobs, our money, 
the stuff that we possess or we think possess or maybe possesses us. And the list goes on and on, but every one of our externals don't belong to us. They belong to God. And God has asked us as his children to not be in halfway, not kind of sort of do stuff for God, but to give it all, all the way, completely. God owns it all. And so the response that I have to the one who paid such a high price for me is to leave it all in front of him. God created the external part of you to make a difference for his kingdom. Are you allowing the owner to use his you, his way? God? Would you help us to respond to you out of love for what you've done for us? Would you help us to yield ourselves completely to you? The internals, my heart, my soul, my mind, but then all the external stuff that I play with every day of the week. Remind me that it's not mine, it's yours. I've been bought with a price. Help me to give it all to you. In your name we pray, amen.